Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. My name is Trent. I'm sitting here with my wife, Betsy. Hello, listeners. And we're at episode three of our Time Foolery series, a series that we're talking about all sorts of movies that have some kind of... Oh, let's call it time fuckery. Something's the, wrong with the time. The other uh, title of the series that I wanted to use, but I was vetoed. <laughs> <laughs> My title's better. Your title is, is funnier. Anyway, Betsy, today we're going to watch a movie from 2011, which is where all seems like all of these other movies were, were coming out. It's a common cinematic trope, and they sometimes get grouped together. I guess. But anyway, we're watching Source Code, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Betsy, neither of us have seen this movie. We have not. And, uh, yeah, I don't even remember if we saw a trailer for this movie way back when. This would have come out either right before we started dating or around the time we started yeah. dating. We so we met certainly, in 2011. We certainly didn't see it together. No. We could have, potentially. I remember it being a movie that existed. Sure. But, like, I don't remember any kind of, like, marketing materials for it ever, ever being advertised. I was a little busy, you know, meeting my future wife. And, start, and starting my, my current job in 2011. So I was a little busy in 2011. But anyway, what can you tell me about this movie? So this is a movie we actually had to watch a trailer for because yeah. otherwise this intro was going to yeah. be really, really short. A couple of short. days ago, we had to watch a trailer. Like we, li- we looked up a list of like time movies. This was on every single one of them. And what I knew before we watched the trailer was that it was a time loop. So yes. this is a movie where he is reliving a moment over and over and over again. But upon watching the trailer, it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Where he is uploaded into a machine where he is implanted into a man who has died and he can relive the last eight minutes of his life. And he is repeating the cycle to figure out what happened because there's a bomb on the train. Yeah, and there is going to be like very much a time element to this movie where it's going to be maybe very frantic. I don't know how funny it's going to be because it seems like, oh, you know, diffusing a bomb is kind of an important thing you need to do. And it looks like this movie is going to be a lot more complicated than any of the other ones that we're doing. Potentially just because of the loop factor. Like when it's a loop... You have to have the actors do the same thing slightly yeah. different every single time. And it's a much smaller window. Like, we've watched time loop movies where, like, talking about Palm Springs, where it's the entire day until you either fall asleep or you die. And it's not necessarily just the day. It can go on as long as you can stay awake. Exactly. Which you usually fall asleep within, like, 36 to 48 hours or something like that. At the most. At most, yeah. Versus this one, where they're using it as a device to solve a crime that has already occurred and is about to occur again. Yeah, and it seems like this guy, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, has, like, handlers. Maybe he's a military guy, and he's, like, being directed on how maybe to, to try things. But it also seemed like he was kind of an unwilling participant in this thing. Like, he was very surprised to be in this body. Just based on the one trailer we watched. Right. So... And the trailer's not very good. This is one of those... It looked like a direct-to-DVD movie. Yeah. Even though I know it had a major release. The trailer's just not good. Maybe it's one of those movies that it's hard to do a trailer... And do it justice. Maybe. We'll see. Like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure like this is going to be a more complicated movie, and I'm hoping that it's not. I, it's got a fairly good rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but again, I just don't know anybody who has like raved about this movie. So, 
I don't really know what else to say, Betsy, so we're gonna go and watch Source Code. We'll be right back. back that was source code number three in our time foolery series betsy what did you think of that i think that was a perfectly serviceable sci-fi yeah i don't think it was a great movie and it was good throughout and then at the very end made me go what the fuck yeah they ended it on a very confusing thread and i just i wanted more i wanted i i had a lot of questions yeah all of a sudden it's like okay i understood everything that happened yep. i follow it completely those and, last two minutes though nope and then we're like wait Huh? <laughs> yeah, so, all right. I, the entire time I was watching this movie, was thinking of another kind of short-in-length movie with a lot of really great actors. I was thinking about Phone Booth. Okay. The Colin Farrell movie where it is just him in a phone booth and there is a sniper trained on him and he's trying to talk his way out of a it. A voice telling him what to do. Exactly. So... I was thinking about that because this is a very small scale kind of a thing. Now, we're talking about big concepts here. We're talking about terrorism. We're talking about the military. We're talking about sci-fi and time travel and all this other shit that they're Quantum physics. Here. Quantum physics. There's a lot of quantum stuff in this movie we're going to get to later. But the reason why it's reminding me of that is because it is an intimate cast. It is an intimate kind of a thing where he is trying to figure out, how do I get out of this? How do I talk to this how do i talk my way out of this essentially which is exactly what happens in phone booth so my attitude towards that movie is that i think that is an underrated gem of a movie because we kind of talk about on this show we like a you know a, a good tight 90 minute movie and that's what this is it's, it is it is 93 minutes a phone booth is i think like 82 minutes or something 86. like 86 it's short it's really short and it gets everything across without any filler like, in this movie, you start, he's on the train. He wakes up on the train. There's no introduction whatsoever. Well, and they use kind of a funny trick to make sure that you keep things moving along. Every time he asks a question, the woman at the other end says, that is irrelevant. Right. That is irrelevant. Nope. So you, the viewer, shut up. Yeah. We got to keep this moving. You are <laughs> wasting time. And she is just the voice of, we need to keep the production on the, uh -huh. the keep the train on the track. That's right. <laughs> Keep the train on schedule. I don't have time to explain to you what is going on or why it's happening. Yeah. Just roll with us here. And like I said in the in, in the intro, we're on a tight schedule. Everything here is eight minutes long. I mean, in real time, it's not actually eight minutes. No, I didn't take out a clock and start no. going, oh, this was only seven and a <laughs> half minutes. <laughs> and they also do the kind of the, the time loop thing where... The beginning of the movie is him waking up, him being very observant. He has a really great memory, which is evidenced by his the whole thing with the, the cards and the stories and everything else. But we as the audience are treated to all these different aspects of the, of the car that he's in. He sees all the different people sitting down. He's, he witnesses the events 
the coffee spilling on a shoe, the guy opening up his can of monster, uh, Michelle Moynihan saying the things that she's going to say, the people around him saying what they're going to say. He observes all of that stuff in real time. And we, like, we as the audience are presented with that. But as the movie goes along, you don't need to see everything. No, so, he even says it's the same, but it's different. Yeah, everything is kind of truncated. Everything is a little altered each time he goes back. Yeah. But as a storytelling mechanic, them shortening everything up makes the movie tighter. Well, they even have a couple of segments where he's getting berated by the military people Mm -hmm. saying, we don't have time for your shit. Stop making this about you. We're sending you back in. And they kind of do it while he's unwilling to go in. And we don't even see what happens. We just see the explosion a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So we see the end of it versus going through the whole thing again. Because we know what happens. He goes on the train, he wakes up, he fucks around, and then the train explodes. Yeah. We've seen it a few times. We don't need the whole game again. And exactly. He is treating this like a game, like a simulation. Which he thinks it is a simulation until they explain what it actually right, is. Right, because he's a military man. He is driven by his duty. His discipline is is drilled into him by his commanding officers over the however many years that he's been in the military. And he just does whatever he's told. So, yes, he has questions and he gets a little bit of, he gets a few answers here and there. And he's promised that, okay, at the end of your mission, we're going to answer all your questions. But right now, those questions are irrelevant. You need to go save all these people. Which really does make sense because they don't know the timeline. They know that there's a bomb because there was an explosion this morning. Yep. So now the clock is ticking. So there are a couple of interesting things they're doing because you've got the real world people trying to chase down this terrorist this terrorist attack and so there's a clock ticking there and until they really explain what's happening you see jake gyllenhaal in what looks like a crashed fuselage yeah and he's like oh well there's oil on the floor there's like fluids leaking here Mm -hmm. and the the uh he goes out so you assume oh god he has crashed somewhere and He's got a limited amount of time, mm-hmm. and for some reason, this is what they're doing. But they're kind of adding several elements. So there's that scenario where he is, there's the real-world scenario, and then there's the source code scenario. Yeah, so it's are... almost like three clocks ticking at the same time. Yeah, there are only three settings in this entire movie. And him being in this cockpit or fuselage, like you said, it is, I guess, just a manifestation of his own mind. Because when we find that out later, yeah, we of course we find that out later. Now he has no idea what's happening. Like the first time he wakes up, he remembers nothing. But then they say, "Oh, you've been with us for two months." That's where it starts posing a lot of questions because yeah. I'm like, okay, he's clearly been in some kind of crash, but he's been there for two months. So like, they either can't rescue him or they won't rescue him. Or that's what they're telling him, where he's like, this this pod, like he keeps on calling it, is hooked up somewhere, like off-site, and this is the only place where they can actually produce enough energy in order to power the simulation that he's going through, and it's a weird sci-fi thing. But really, by the end here, it's still confusing to me. Like, he is essentially half a body his body is dead his brain is mostly dead but apparently they're keeping him quote-unquote alive because this this software the system the source code 
has the ability to get into your short-term memory that only lasts eight minutes. And they can somehow sync that up with other people's memory. So my assumption here is that they have this guy's body. It's the only thing that would make sense. Like, how right. can they hook up this guy that we've never met that isn't Sean. on site? Sean. The yeah. real Sean. Yeah, so maybe he's, like they say, he's the only person that fits the bill as far as, like, a physical body. Or, I, I don't know, because... That's really all they say. Like, hey, this Sean guy is the only person that was a, a, a match for your height and your build and everything and everything else. But there's plenty of other people on that train, so I don't know. They kind of explain it, and they also completely do not explain what's happening here. They really here. don't. <laughs> and I can go along for this ride. That's fine. It's just the when you're sitting here trying to analyze it and trying to consider how that actually functions, you start to go, but that doesn't work. I don't understand. Yeah. And like, like, you can just like access the void. Like, where right. do you have his body? I don't understand. No, and... We've said in other episodes that I want every one of these like time loop or time fuckery movies to be like four hours long because I want them to explain everything. I love this kind of sci-fi shit because it is concepts that do not exist, but you get to play. You get to play around with the rules and the manifestations that you can actually come up with for a movie like this. This being an hour and a half, it really cooks along and I appreciate that as a movie watcher but as a more of a sci-fi fan I wanted more well they kind of take the road of the Avengers where we can go to a certain time and a place and we're just going to have a device that lets us do it so it's kind of time travel but it kind of isn't because the big thing at the very end is it actually kind of is time travel yeah. because he's able to alter different realities. Yeah, like the, the Jeffrey Wright character says something like, it is a time reassignment, what he is trying to do here. But I think what's really happening is that Jake Gyllenhaal, he is accessing Sean's memory. Whatever Sean saw, he can basically get up inside of his own memory. And the other thing that I thought of here is in X-Men, Professor X goes into Cerebro and he can, again, manifest the, his, the big cylindrical thing that he is also, the Jake Gyllenhaal is in. <laughs> In this a big pod, metal tube. A big pod. <laughs> so he is manifesting. He can see whatever he wants to see. And I think he can also like inhabit other mutants, which is kind of what this is doing. There's even, there's even a scene in one of the X-Men movies where he accesses somebody's memory. He can actually stand up out of his chair and look around. I think that's in the first one. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. But that's kind of what's happening here. He is accessing Sean's memories, and he can walk around, he can interact with people, he can play it kind of like a video game, where there are no consequences whatsoever. Okay, I'm glad you said it, because the one I was thinking of was Assassin's Creed. Well, it's Assassin's Creed. You ha I'm, I'm amazed yeah. you haven't brought up Assassin's Creed yet. It is. You literally said during the movie, yeah, I think that thing he's in is called a cradle. Yeah. Isn't that what they call it no, in Assassin's Creed? It, it's an animus. Like the cra I got the word cradle from uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Is it something like this where he's like uploaded to something? He is like a, a bag of cells. Oh, is cool. all he is. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway. Which is basically what... It's, it's, it's a weird... I'm not going to get into Metal Gear. <laughs> but yes, I was thinking of Assassin's Creed where yes. in that one, you have the ability to access 
your ancestors. Yes. It's sort of similar to that. They're Via not the DNA. Yeah, it's not DNA as much as they can just find a similar match for you mm-hmm. through the world and magic and science of quantum physics. And the, the other video game I was thinking of is Hitman. Now, in Hitman, you're an assassin tasked to go and assassinate somebody within a facility, let's say. And every time you play the level, the level plays out exactly the same. Everybody's on a programmed loop. Everybody does what they're going to do. They're programmed to do that. But you, as the player, can interrupt that. You can interact with whatever it is, however you want to do it. You can go play. And when you accomplish your mission, you just leave. And that's that. But you can keep on replaying it in different ways and accomplish the same goal. That's what he's doing here. He is. But of course, we would be (laughs) remiss to not mention the most obvious comparison once you know someone who is featured in this movie in a small role. This movie strongly resembles an episode of Quantum Leap. Yes. To the degree that when Jake Gyllenhaal's character is able to get on the phone with his dad, his dad is played by Scott Bakula, star of Quantum Leap, (laughs) which I've never actually watched Quantum Leap, but I understand enough of it what it is. He is a guy who can be through the quantum mechanics, quantum physics, implanted into different people. And that is what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing. He wakes up in someone else's body. Yeah, yeah. And in Quantum Leap, he goes to like different points in time and like relives events. I, I have no idea what the point of the show is. If it's him, like, I think it's altering history and is, changing things. Is that things. what it is? Yeah, it's like time travel and yeah. you know, affecting your your reality around you. Yeah. So they were aware of what they were doing. When they made this movie, they're like, you know what? People are going to draw comparisons anyway. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just lean into that? <laughs> and he was game to the degree that he uses his signature catchphrase when he's on the phone. Like, apparently he says, oh boy, in hmm. the show. Okay. And that is what he says in this movie. There's also a remake of Quantum Leap on TV it's right now. It's happening now. I think. Yeah, on NBC. Yeah. I've never watched that either. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, another show I, I, I just was reminded of when you were talking. Uh, early edition. Which is him getting... Taking it back to the 90s. Him him getting the newspaper of the next day. The facts for tomorrow, today. Right. He gets the newspaper of tomorrow, today, so that he can go off and do what? Change history and fix things. The thing you should take away from all of these references is time travel and the rules of quantum physics are common tropes and often used yeah. for different scenarios. It's great storytelling because it really every, is. everybody out there imagines what it would be like if you could go back and change a decision. Everybody thinks about that. Or if you want to go into the future and see what it's like in the future, everybody thinks about that. And the there and there's so many different ways that you can actually make this up. So it makes for great fiction. But going back to this movie... Let's kind of talk about the the different ways in which that it, it it all kind of plays out because in other kinds of time loop movies everything kind of hinges on one thing happening in order to restart the loop. We talked about Palm Springs in the intro. For that to happen, you either have to fall asleep, become unconscious, or die for the for the loop to uh, to restart. In this case, he has to die because at no time. I think anyway, at no time does he not die and have it reset. Because one time he gets shot. Yeah. One time he gets hit by the train. Right. 
But every other time he blows up or the very last time he is disconnected from life support. Right. So if in one of these scenarios where he was unsuccessful the, to the train blows up, like when he's at one of the stops and he, he, uh, he racially profiles somebody after that, if he were to just walk away, would he be able to just go and not be hit by the train? My assumption is they pull him because it is a program. His consciousness has basically been uploaded into a software. Right. And I think they have a certain degree of control over that. So if they want to pull him out at eight minutes, they have control to so do it's, that. it's like the Matrix in that way. I think so. Well, in, in the because, Matrix, if they pull you out, you're, you're dead well, while you're in there. <laughs> his He basically is dead. Only his yeah. brain is alive. Right. And that's that's really my question here. There is a moment here where he could just walk away. He could go and live live his life and not be the hero. He could just be alive in this person's body. And I feel like that's not possible because I think they are controlling his exit strategy, if you will. Sure. Like they keep saying, oh, he went over here. He did this. He saved that girl. And they're like, it's not relevant. It's not important. Stop right. fucking around and do your job. Right. And like, are they really referring to like different timelines here? Because the thing that I had a really hard time understanding, and I still don't, maybe you can help me. In the real world where all the military people are, they say that he's been doing this for two months. And it's and they keep on saying that the bomb exploded this morning. I think he's been on different missions because they, at the end of the movie, want to wipe his memory. So right. my assumption is one of two things. Either... He has done this many times and done other missions and they just weren't successful and they wipe his memory and start him again, which is why he wakes up and doesn't remember anything. Or this is the very first time they're bringing him online because they've just kind of had him on life support and they take a couple of months to decide, okay, he's the next candidate. Because okay. if you look around that room, he's the only like coffin device yeah. in this space. It's yeah. not like they have rooms full of soldiers. Yeah, and I think it's the second scenario because the Jeffrey Wright character says, hey, it's this is the first time this has actually worked. So by golly, we're going to use him on the next one. Yeah, it's possible they've just had other soldiers and they haven't been successful. Yeah. And they've just had this guy, I don't know, That that's where it gets a little bit vague. I would assume it's probably more likely they wipe his memory and keep doing it over and over and they just haven't said so, that. That's so, my interpretation. So what happens at the end? Because he goes back, he saves everybody, he catches the bad so, guy, he's being all cocky, this, and he wins the girl at the very end. This is where the movie gets very curious because we go through this whole movie and he says, I want to die. Basically, I understand uh -huh. how I am living currently and I don't want to do it anymore. Uh -huh. But he doesn't want to go out without being a hero. He wants to try to save everybody on the train. And he knows who he's looking for. He knows what he has to do. Uh -huh. And he executes everything perfectly. And at the end of the movie, he's kissing the girl and everybody on that train is alive and laughing. And they have this moment of like the clock runs out. Everybody mm -hmm. freezes. He's been disconnected from life support. Yep. That's the end of him. But we watched him send an email to Vera Farmiga's character yeah. on the train. After a pause, everything starts up again. And I'm like, right. okay, maybe this is like his subconscious. He can live happily ever after with the girl of his dreams because he decided to. You know, he is 
coping with the situation he is in by imagining a scenario. Yes. So my assumption is, okay, well, he is plugged up into this computer. His consciousness has reached a new plane of quantum being. And, and that's you know, where you're losing but, me. But, 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 that's just, you know, me saying that until everything starts again and we go back to that morning and she gets the email he sent. Yes. So he actually has been able to alter reality where he hadn't been before. The train did not crash. Right. So it's maybe the only explanation here is it's that thing in Avengers that Tilda Swinton, when she shows up, explains. That's you what remove, I'm thinking of right here. You remove the piece and it changes the timeline and now it veers off over there. Yeah. So that's my assumption here. I'm thinking of it laterally that way where he changed something so in the reality he was in that he died that still happened but now this is a slightly different version of reality that he was able to affect it's again kind of circular loop because now she's like wait what the fuck how am i getting emails from a guy who is in a machine and he is explaining things from the future from the past And it's just like, oh, by the way, there was no bomb. And now he and her live happily ever after. And I think there's multiple realities because like the whole movie, he's seeing himself at the bean. (laughs) Meet your destiny at the bean. (laughs) Looking in the mirror, he's he's Sean. But what happened to Sean? I want to know what happened to Sean. He's still Sean. That, no, he's not. He is, though. He is. If you look, you said, oh, at the end of the movie. That's his body. Sean. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying because yeah. the real Sean, the real Sean, if Sean disappeared didn't from his die mind. in the train, yes, he just took, <laughs> he get out at him. <laughs> his brain took over his body. Yeah, Sean is gone. New Sean. So hey, I love it's that not you are successful. you are concerned about the well-being of a man who is dead but isn't dead. <laughs> is though like it's it's invasion of the body snatchers you know i'd be willing to bet the filmmakers have not been confronted with that question that often because (laughs) they're so confused by other things that that's not at the forefront of their mind that's that hey that is the only thing that really well not the only thing that isn't explained but that's if that is what is going on here if this is the new timeline where captain coulter is just assuming the identity of this sean guy i don't like that you know i was okay with it up until you reminded me that in this world sean isn't dead yeah (laughs) and now you're right that is a little bit of a disturbing way to end the movie but only if you think too hard about it i think too hard about it if you can pretend that you weren't uh told that information and process that information, then you can live happily ever after with them. Well, and I get it. He's making the jokes about, hey, it's the new me. I'm just, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be the suave and sophisticated Jake Gyllenhaal type, but in the in the body of Sean. I would rather he be Jake Gyllenhaal because the other guy <laughs> was cute, but he's not Jake Gyllenhaal. You're right. You're right. And I'm sure that Michelle Moynihan would prefer Jake Gyllenhaal as well. She still got to kiss him. But. Like the real him. But. But. Where's Sean? What happened to Sean? He can't be a teacher anymore. Oh, God. He's a military man. What happened to his students? How's he going to teach history when he doesn't know anything about history (laughs) except this history? Is he going to go to Scott Bakula and do the thing where I'm going to tell you all all about your son and all of his secrets? You mean dead like me? It's dead like me. Let's keep bringing that up, too. (laughs) 
Where in Dead Like Me, you the, the person dies, but when you come back, you're in a different body. You don't look like you, but you have all of your own memories. So you could visit your house and look yeah. your mother in the eye, right. and she doesn't know who you are. Yeah, there's a scene in, in Dead Like Me where she goes home, talks to her mother, and, and recalls a memory from her youth. That only her mother would remember. And she's like, you sick psycho, get off of my porch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that's what I'm saying here. It's it's all of these things, but it's still too messy for me. I would say overall, the execution of this is pretty good. So yeah. this is directed by Duncan Jones, mm-hmm. who also did Moon, which we yep. really enjoyed. Yep. So it's well directed. The editing is really good. It has to be in this kind of a movie because Mm -hmm. you're trying to build tension. And uh, I read something that usually there's kind of a lateral rule in filmmaking. Like you always have to be moving a single direction. And there's a lot of, we're going to go left. We're going to go right. We're going to go up. We're going to go down in this movie to disorient you on purpose, which is against like all the rules of filmmaking but makes sense when you realize the situation that he is in and trying he, to overcome. Because he's in a box. He there's only a literal there, box. There, there's only four ways that you can go. You can go forward in the cars, you go backward in the cars, you can go up in the cars, and you can go out of the cars. That's all you can do here. Oh, so I, I thought you meant he was in a box because he is in a box. He is kind of in a box. Though. In a mental in a mental prison, if you will. A metaphysical prison. Oh, a metaphysical prison. Ooh. Yeah. But I think as a, like, this is kind of a popcorn flick. Like, I enjoyed this movie. I would definitely watch this again. But my problem here is that I want more information. I want, like, I would listen to a, a commentary track about this movie. Ooh, with, we should investigate with the, that. With the writer and or the director or Jake Gyllenhaal. What did he think about this? <laughs> well, he was the one that actually said, you know who'd be good for this? Yeah. Duncan Jones. Yeah. Because Moon predates this movie. Indeed. So that's good The script is decent. It is complicated as shit because of the kind of movie it is. But I thought that the way they slowly reveal what's actually happening was really good. And when we see at the end how Jake Gyllenhaal really is, it's fucking gnarly. Yeah. It's jarring. And like in my head, I was assuming something pretty bad, but I don't think I was assuming that oh we're keeping a half of a corpse alive yeah he is half a body and the back of his skull has been removed and he has wires connected directly to his brain and this is how he is being kept alive that is really fucked up yeah, and I think if there's a message in this movie, it is, hey, military stuff is kind of fucked up sometimes, and they use our soldiers in ways that maybe shouldn't be. Oh, and the guy who is bombing everything, I don't even know if he is military, but he there's some like no. m- military themes around it. Like when they show him in the van, he's got like red, white, and blue box with the nuclear I, I, device in I it. I feel like that's probably just an ironic thing. I don't know. They didn't really explore his whole motivation other than the world sucks and I want to rebuild. Yeah, but we have to, to rebuild. We on have the ashes. to have ashes before we can rebuild. Well, and speaking about ashes, Scott Bakula says they only sent me back his ashes. Yeah, that's the thing. Your son is dead, but he's not dead. You are keeping his body. We don't even know if he willingly signed up for this program or they just are doing it to him. Yeah. Because it's possible they said, hey, in the event 
something goes wrong, are you willing to participate? And that he agreed. But it's also just as possible, the other movie this references is The Manchurian Candidate, that he has been brainwashed and used against his will and programmed with the Queen of Hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, when they were doing the whole card thing at the beginning of the movie, that's what I thought about. Like, he's being activated. It wasn't the Queen of Hearts, but it was a queen on a deck of cards. It's like, well, if that isn't a direct correlation. Right. So they have to, like, reset him to get him in tune with his memories of real time, the here and now. No, we've been through this information. You know this information. Let's do a little test, and then we'll reset you. Yeah, I have a feeling that this is this is mainly the, the military finding a loophole to continue to use these soldiers' bodies and, their in this case, their minds in however way that they want. So... I don't think that he is doing this voluntarily. I don't think that he would have been aware of it at all. I I mean, when we watched the trailer, they made it seem like he was kind of doing it not voluntarily. Well, and when you look at Jeffrey Wright's character, I don't think he's even in the military. I think that guy's like the mad scientist. He is, yeah. Who figured out a way to do this, and he is going to have glory and fame at any cost. Again, the villain... In movies, the well-funded scientist. That's right. Looking for grant money. That is right. Being a well-funded scientist <laughs> makes you the villain. I will continue to say this yes, every right. time it comes up. And this is this is right here. So this is of the three that we've watched so far of our Time Foolery series. This is the first time we actually get a look at the man with the plan, the guy you know behind the curtain, as it were, because we don't see who invented time travel in Looper. We don't, uh, we don't we, we don't see it. We don't get an, an, ex, an explanation for that, but we know who did it. Fair enough. And in Safety Not Guaranteed, there is, a, I guess, we can see the mechanism. It's a machine. It, it's like it's like an old-timey kind of a machinery type, like steampunk kind of a thing. But in this one, there is an actual man who very much sciences it away. Yeah, and like, it's all sorts of, like, you can explain away, oh, it's computers, it's wires, and you, you hook it up to a dead body and it just works. So this one is interesting compared to the other ones we've watched so far. In that it maybe has the most realistic explanation, but it's also the least believable at the same time. Betsy, I didn't believe that they would have a Dunkin' Donuts on a train. Okay, that is the most (laughs) realistic thing. Here's the other thing. This is on a commuter train outside of Chicago. I've been on this train, and at the beginning, maybe not this specific line, but I've definitely been on the commuter train in Chicago. Okay. But at the beginning of the movie, one of the early rotations, he asks Michelle Moynihan, come over here and, you know, tell me, observe these people. Think of it as a game. Yeah. Who is that? What's going on with them? My friends and I were on the commuter train in Chicago playing this game one time when I visited. What we were the just fuck? We were just looking around going, okay, so we think that person... Uh, is a student and she's going to school. She's going to school for this thing. And yeah, we definitely did this on this specific train <laughs> in Betsy? this city. Betsy, are you a time lord? I might be. <laughs> Am I? Is this all a simulation? Am I hooked up somewhere? Did something horrible well, happen to y- me? You are wearing headphones, so yes, you are hooked up. <laughs> Can you see my legs? Is the microphone a time machine, Betsy? Oh, I maybe. I mean, we could. Start this whole thing over at any time. Hello and welcome to Never <laughs> See. <laughs> we did that joke before. That's true. We did it in our last time loop thing with uh, Palm Springs. But 
All right. I mean, Betsy, is there anything else that you wanted to to really mention here? I I took a lot of notes here, but I just wanted to talk about Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I believe that they would have a Dunkin' Donuts on the train. I just didn't know that was a thing they did in that capacity. It was interesting. It's a whole ass thing. Like you can get it's like a little cupboard. You get coffee and donuts, and somebody works there. Imagine that's where you go to work every day. You get on the... How do you do... It's like being a flight attendant. Do you have to drive to wherever the train is? Do you have to be at the end of the line before the train leaves? It goes back and forth. Do you just get on when and where you feel like, and that's when the Dunkin' opens? Yeah. The people on that train need their coffee, and they cannot afford for you to be 10 minutes late for work. Man, that'd be convenient, though. If you drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. Betsy, you 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 like donuts, though. I love donuts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough of this. Betsy, anything else? Uh, I really liked the score. You kind of commented on it at the beginning. But it's only in the beginning, though. At the beginning, they start with just score and, like, shots of the Chicago area. Yeah, they're just kind of flying around. But it's really evocative of like old Hitchcock movies where it's like big Bernard Herman dun 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 that kind of score and it really sets the tone and then we just dive in like literally he wakes up on the train and that's the beginning of the movie and we're in the first loop no wasted time no wasted time but I enjoyed it I I think there are elements of this movie that Definitely confuse the heck out of me. Yeah, I have way more questions than answers. Well, it's the thing where we kind of made a loop within the loop (laughs) because everything was making sense and running laterally. Like we were just going from point A to point B in a straight line. Yes, we're looping, but only him. He's the only one going back to this point and reliving this. In reality, I think this movie is the most pure of the time foolery movies that we've done so far because it is this moment in time that you are going back through. It is a loop. Now, there's extraneous things outside of the loop. He is actually able to exit the loop, but not of his own accord. But that's what I'm saying. At the end of the movie, he exits the loop. But the loop begins again. So he, the message he sends to Vera Farmiga is, this thing works better than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So he was disconnected. He was taken off life support. He died at the end of his loop. Yeah. And he's not dead. In this loop, he starts again and she has to do it all again. The, the, I think the, the main thing here is source code, the source code, is a time machine. It is a time machine, but it takes his consciousness back in time. That's what it did. And because he's able to continue on as Sean after the, the supposed loop. Well, then that would be my next question for you. Do you think that this is the cycle now? Every time. No. No, no. Let me finish. He gets out of the loop and then the next version of him starts the loop again. So he averted the train disaster. He is still in that box and he messages her saying, it works and that guy's going to need your help. Okay, so now they don't do a train, but he stays in there and now next week there's a, a gunman somewhere and he can stop that 
and then that guy gets out of the loop, but he's still in the loop. He's still in the box. So there is like a whole bunch of uh, like Jake an Gyllen- infinite loop. Yes. There, there, no, there's a bunch of Jake Gyllenhaal's running around. Jake's and- Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what I think is actually happening here is is what you said. There are two different timelines now. There is a timeline where the train does blow up, but his information that you get from the source code prevents him prevents the terrorist from blowing up Chicago. Okay. Okay. That's one. Then through all of these different loops, getting the, all that information, that timeline is able to go forward and not have a million people die. There's also a timeline where Jake Gyllenhaal kills Sean and inhabits his body and, <laughs> and moves on with Sean's life. Yeah, that's where this movie gets confusing is when you start to think about the ending. I think if they didn't have this ending, I would be like, okay, fine movie, whatever. But then they're just like, haha, yeah. but it's not over. There's yeah. a final twist. They want to have a fucking happy ending to this movie. And, okay, movies do not need to have happy endings. You do not need to walk away from every single movie having a smile on your face. I do. <laughs> that's, that's not how life is, Betsy. God damn no, it. No, it really isn't. But he like gives everybody a speech about, why are you so grumpy? The world is beautiful. Life right. is wonderful. Okay. Everyone laugh and one, happy. One last question, and then we got to stop this. What was the deal about them going to the bean and him like having this vision of the bean when he's got going back and forth in the loop? That's what I'm saying. He's been in this loop before and there are fragments of his own memories within his memories. But that's in the future though. Except it was in the past. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe he was in this loop before and he got out, but he didn't remember it. And yeah, that's why I'm saying this is confusing as shit. My brain hurts. So instead of continuing on- Your bean hurts. (laughs) Instead of continuing on, I'm gonna ask our listeners to help us out. What did you think of Source Code? Do you have a different explanation than what Betsy and I are coming up with? Are there infinite time things going on? Infinite is, Jake's Gyllenhaal. Is he stuck in a loop? What happened to Sean? Is Sean dead? Justice for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Email us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. We're going to read an email that we got from Stephanie about our first time foolery movie about Looper. Stephanie says, this is going to be a fantastic series. You know I love time foolery. Thanks for the vote of confidence there. (laughs) Uh, Looper is great. The cast is fantastic. The premise is fantastic. I think the way they explain the premise is well done. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a great young Bruce Willis. There is a theme throughout the three of these movies. In so much that they're like, we can't explain it to you. Don't be silly. Like, just quiet. Enjoy. (laughs) I don't like that. Uh, she says, I have never seen The Adjustment Bureau. I will have to check it out. Yes, definitely check that out. It's a great movie. Uh, I would for sure love to see more about this world. Give me more future. Give me more loopers. Give me more Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And give me more Emily Blunt. Yeah. Never question Jeff Daniels. They kind of yada yada some of the time travel stuff. Like I said. But I also assume the little boy creates time travel and the loopers. That's just what we just said. She says, hey, Kansas City, Uh, we can claim the Kansas side for the purposes of this movie, though Kansas City, Missouri is better. (laughs) That's what she keeps on saying. Uh, Future eyedrop drugs are probably not that far off. They might exist already and we just don't know about it because we don't do drugs. Yeah, no, we've never done drugs. We're boring. (laughs) Yeah, we do movies instead. Anywho, uh, she says, I think this one is great. I can't wait to see what else you have planned. Uh, We watched Hacksaw Ridge the other night. 
Andrew Garfield is a great actor, but the movie overall is a little too preachy for my taste. Love you guys from Superfan. Stephanie. Yes, we are in the future. She emailed us from the past. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole time thing happening within the time series. Betsy, don't confuse me. I will confuse you. I'm going to get very meta (laughs) for the rest of this series. Yeah, we saw Hacksaw Ridge back when that was in the Oscar contention. That's very much a Mel Gibson movie. It's good. It's a lot. It's okay, but yeah. Andrew Garfield is the thing in that movie that makes it worth seeing absolutely yeah he was he was great in that movie but the movie itself it's a good god just enough enough yeah andrew garfield though two thumbs up yeah give him an oscar eventually All all right betsy that is going to be the end of episode three of our time foolery series again if you would like to reach out to us and tell us what you think about these three movies so far Email us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Follow us on social media, comment on our stuff, share our stuff if you feel inclined. But most of all, we wish you would go on to your podcast app of choice, leave us a review, rate us five stars, tell your friends about us. We want to help grow the podcast. Then travel back in time and do it all again. That's right. From someone else's phone. That's right. Just just grab grab your, your boyfriends, your your partners, your whoever's phone. Accost that someone is, on a train. That, right next to you. Yeah, take gr- their phone. Take all of the people's phones on your public transit every Wave morning. Wave your fake badge and say, uh, I, I have a situation. Announce to the, to the whatever that you're on on the subway car. Never Seen a Pod does not condone any of these activities. Please do not actually cause people in the subway. <laughs> do not cause a scene. <laughs> all right. That is going to be the end of this episode. This has been Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll be back to you with our final episode of Time Foolery. Meet us at the beach.